0: Rewind with Oshim Langan.
1: Lifted in by Mesut Ozil and it's headed towards
2: goal and it's in! Arsenal have snatched the victory and it's
3: Danny Welbeck on his first appearance of the season! Yes, we have shown great character, I think, and uh, great level of intensity and energy from the first to last minute and uh, we gave absolutely everything and took all the risks paid off against a very good Leicester side.
4: Tottenham Hotspur
5: have the opportunity to take the lead in this big tussle in the title race from the spot after Rose's ball in was blocked by the arms of Raheem Sterling and to be honest with you, Whoa. it looks like it came off his back.
1: With the same referee, uh, Gladdenberg, we lost against Tottenham in the first round with two clear goals in offside. And now with the penalty that was decisive for the- for the game, so I don't think
0: nothing more. So.
2: Eric Lamella trying to add to it as he darts straight through the middle. Lamella, fall in towards
1: Eriksen, what a chance! 2-1 Spurs! Christian Eriksen may well have won it for Tottenham! And at the moment, Spurs are heading second in the table. So Ireland will be desperately disappointed. Once again, they've built a, a potentially match-winning score and weren't able to see it out.
5: The ref blows the full-time whistle and Waterford have beaten Kilkenny on the opening weekend of the Allianz League. Waterford 14 points, Kilkenny 10 points. A better team
3: won the game, there's no doubt about that. We had no game of any kind in preparation for it, you know. We had no challenge match, we had no wedge cup match, we had, we had nothing at all. And Match fitness doesn't just happen straight away. Lost by four pints, could have lost by more. You know, the effort was good.
5: This is the Rewind On News Talk and it was an exciting weekend in the Premier League. We'll have more on all of that soon with Paddy Mulligan, who'll also look ahead to this week's Champions League action, plus We'll talk about Robbie Henshaw's departure from Connacht, Ireland's defeat in Paris and the opening weekend of the Allianz National Hurling League with Brian Cody, Austin Gleeson, Jur Cush and Kerry manager Ciarán Carey. Let's start though with Paddy and Team 33 and off the ball's Raf Diallo. Paddy, we'll uh, begin with Arsenal and Spurs. Did they prove their mettle this weekend? with the victories they got at home to Leicester in Arsenal's case and away to City in Spurs' case.
0: No, I, in, in, in Spurs' case, yes, to a degree, but I, I didn't think in Arsenal's case that they showed any steal at all. I, I thought that Arsenal were quite poor yesterday by the, by the very high standards that, that they have set themselves over a period of time. And especially with the quality of player that, that, that was on show yesterday, I thought that Leicester were very, very unlucky uh, not to at least come away with a point. Uh, one or two decisions went against them. Was a second penalty that that, uh, that I felt should have, should have been given. That if if Vardy had scored, it would have put them two nil up, and I think well, Arsenal would have had had uh, a case to answer for then. But um, Simpson being a bit daft, uh, getting booked in the 48th minute, and then pulling Giro back five minutes later, uh, the referee probably felt he had no uh, no alternative. Um, Maybe, maybe that Leicester fans will probably say that that was a bit harsh. But look at uh, Simpson. Simpson committed the foul, and he, when when he shouldn't have bothered his head doing that, he had uh, he had Giroud on the goal side of him, so there was no there was no danger uh, whatsoever. And even even when Giroud turned him slightly, he, uh, there was still there was still no problem because he, he was well away from goal. But whoever Simpson decided with a a mad rush of of, of uh, being just a, a, a petulant about the whole thing and and. Uh, and got himself sent off, and, and and effectively cost Leicester because it was it was back to the wall from there on in, and um, there were one or two funny substitutions from from Ranieri, uh, with, with taking Marais off. Um, I can understand to a degree why why he took him off because he he wanted to get things more solid. But the player that he brought on, Michael Gray.
5: Ah, but that's not very Ranieri. So is he going against type? Ah, no, not not no. I wouldn't I
0: wouldn't think so. He's only maybe done it once or twice this season. So and it's it, it's it's probably I'm I'm probably being overcritical of of the situation yesterday as well because when Grey came on Grey was the one player that lost uh, Walcott at the far post but you know, he he midfielders by and large don't know how to defend and when they get back in those positions, uh uh Fuchs the full back really should have been uh, cutting across there and and, and Morgan and, 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 and Hoot they should have been telling Fuchs you get out there and that Grey drift off because uh, Gray's head went all over the place, which which was a great pity for Leicester because they, they played very, very well and, and then the, the last free kick uh also just floating it into the box and uh yes uh, the defender, should, the Leicester defender, shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have fell the Arsenal player. But when it came into the box, there was enough players in there for Leicester to go and head it clear. And Danny Welbeck, who who else would have gotten that call, having been out for nine months? And it was great to see Danny Welbeck back. But Arsenal are back. Arsenal are back in the mix. They've 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 beaten Bournemouth the previous week, and now they're, they're after uh, turning Leicester over. And, and uh, in fairness to Arsenal, they did they did battle to the end, but a a lot of their a lot of their big players. I didn't think performed yesterday and I didn't, I'm, I'm a great admirer of Sanchez. I think he's an absolutely wonderfully gifted player, but I did not like when he, he got felled by Simpson to get Simpson his first yellow card, waving his hand at the referee to give him a yellow card. Don't need that in the game, lads.
6: The thing about Arsenal though, you look at Tottenham, you, you probably think they're performing at their maximum at the moment. Leicester are performing at their maximum. Arsenal, like their front line forwards didn't turn up yesterday. Um, but if say they get that extra percentage like Sanchez is backfiring that kind of puts them slight favourites I would guess then
0: well the, the, you see the trick is to, to get Arsenal performing that's, yeah. the, that's the trick if I mean if you can get Arsenal performing they'll win the league yeah that's you could, you could have said that at the start of the season that if Arsenal perform to a level um, that, that that sometimes they, 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 they flatter the deceive and if they can get back playing uh, as well as they possibly can and they need to go and do that uh, to to, to to, to, to stop the doubters from from doubting them even more, and they, they the, the quality is there. There's no question about it. But uh, are they are they psychologically uh, um, ready uh, for the, for the battle? Because there is going to be a battle over this this next twelve games, and and uh, it depends on who's going to be who's yeah. going to be the strongest mentally. Uh, forget about forget about your skill factor uh, and everything else. But you know if, if if you if you're strong enough mentally to go and and take on the challenge. Then you're going to have a you're going to have a great chance. That's why I think that Spurs just just might fail, even though they did well yesterday. Yeah. And with the help, I thought very much so of Mark Clattenburg, the referee. That was, that was I thought that was an absolutely disgraceful decision to give a penalty. He could, from
5: the position he was in, he couldn't yeah. even see whether it was a handball or not. And wasn't a handball. No, it certainly no. wasn't. Um, looking at Spurs yesterday and across the season, in in some ways they're kind of lucky that Leicester are there. They're currently two points clear. And the reason I say that is because it takes the focus off Spurs. There's always been question marks about Spurs. Do they have the bottle? Do they have the grit? Do they have the mentality? Do they have the metal? Alex Ferguson fermis, famously saying to his team once, come on, lads, it's only Tottenham. In other words, you know, we can breeze past these lads if we stand up. Yeah. Has Pochettino found that metal? Has he given them something? And if so, did we see that yesterday and how? For me, for me they have to
0: go and win the league from, from, from this position now to see if, whether they have that metal or not. It's no good coming second or no good coming third. Uh, for, for Spurs I don't think now having said that it's been 1960-61 season mm. since the last one of uh, uh, the league which was the old first, uh, old first division but yesterday they did they did come back at City I thought that when City equalised I, I thought watching and said, go on City now you can, you can go and win this but they didn't now they didn't be, uh, for, for, for just one or two reasons that City went to sleep in Midfield. Uh David Silva was obviously very very unfit uh, he, he had an injury during the week, and they took the gamble, and they played him. And to me, he, he didn't play well. Aguero had an absolute nightmare. The worst I've seen Aguero play. His first touch, which is absolutely uh, brilliant all the time, was was woeful yesterday. He had some. He had, he had one or two great chances that normally he'd be getting shots away. Uh, it didn't happen for him yesterday. And his 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 running off the ball wasn't good. His positional sense wasn't good. For whatever reason. But look, at Aguero's a wonderful player, and he just had, had one of those days. Yaya yeah, Turi. Goes and loses the ball for the for the winning goal, and Kolarov who was brought on in to try and win the game for, for for City, goes and wins the game for for uh, for Spurs by allowing Eriksen just walk past him. And and slots the ball home. Wonderful finish from Ericsson Take nothing uh, take nothing away at all from Spurs. It, it was a, it was a smashing smash and victory considering they've got some right hammerings over the past few seasons uh, at the Etihad Stadium. But you have to question the desire of of Manchester City. I mean Kolarov certainly didn't didn't play but any deserving. Yes he yes he made the goal, but he's got to defend as well. And to allow Ericsson do what he did is just totally unforgivable. So Pellegrini, you know, he he must be just tearing his hair out at this stage because the defending from City, even with Company back, again wasn't good. And with Zabaleta I think Zabaleta is a very, very good player. I think Company is a very good player. But they still they, they 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 still just they just can't uh, seem to be able to to finish out a game these days. said so another defeat for them at home, I mean. Leicester went there last last weekend beat them 3-1 and beat them very well. Spurs didn't weren't as convincing as Leicester were the previous week, but Spurs still got the 3 points and, and that look at that's all Spurs are going to be interested in. And if they keep winning like that at the end of the season, who knows.
6: Yeah, um I suppose the Liverpool game it's not worth even talking about because they were up against a team that you can't really call a team at the present but Manchester United every time you seem to think oh there's turn in the corner a little bit then another defeat to uh, what you think is uh, kind of lowly opposition
0: yeah very I mean Sunderland are are a very very poor team yes they went to Liverpool the previous week and got a draw don't ask me how. Don't ask me how they ended up getting a draw. at only because of the, the the good Samaritans of Liverpool Football Club that we feel sorry for for Sunderland. We let them at least get a draw out of this game, and and they got the draw. Um, but they weren't they weren't much better yeah. on Saturday against United. But then they didn't have to be, because United are, are absolutely woeful. And Van Hal can turn around and say that that uh, we're, we're we're playing good expansive football. They're not They've got got too many Mediocre players As well United People think that they've got Can we just cut to the chase here
5: And there's a couple of reasons Normally time isn't an issue In a podcast But I didn't book the studio And Moncrief will be in here In a few minutes And they need to use it should they just get rid of Van Hal? Now there's a t- talk in the Sun today that Jose will come in before the end of the season.
0: Yeah, but uh, see, Man United are letting themselves down as far as I'm concerned. They should have got rid of Van Hal a, a while ago. When, when the talk of of of, yeah. of Mourinho uh, was coming to the fore, that's when they should have got rid of. Not leave Van Hal hanging there like 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 a lunatic that, that, that he is at Man United. It's very very unfair on the man. Whether I like him or not, or whether Man United fans like him or not is immaterial. Don't you know? Don't hang the man out to dry, and that's what they're doing at the moment. Make the decision. Maybe perhaps Woodward isn't a man to make decisions, because this decision has been made a long time ago. You've got to get rid of Van Hall. It's as simple as that. And you probably have to get rid of Giggs as well. And if Woodward isn't careful, he'll probably have to go also. Yeah. Because he's he's the one that's appointing these people, and and you're hoping. Well, many United fans are hoping that with with Mourinho coming in, that at least they're going to you know uh, get a few years. But then some fans are saying, Ah, oh, he's he's only a three-year man. But that's the way that's the way football's gone. We'll never have a, a have an era where we have a manager at any club for twenty six years like Fergie was, yeah. like like Shankly was, like Pais was, like Bill Nicholson was, uh, like Arsene Wenger is. That that'll never happen again. That's that's once off stuff. So
5: lads, you, you all better get used to it. This is going to be a three or four year cycle, if you, if you're lucky. Just before I let you both go, what about Chelsea tomorrow night in the Champions League up against Paris Saint Germain? Raph, you're a football hipster, so you might give us the view on PSG.
6: Yeah, FSGS was the most interesting uh, news from uh, their club is Serge Aurier, their right back. Now he wasn't the starting right back, but um he uh a video emerged of him insulting the uh, the manager Laurent Blanc and also who has signed a new deal who has signed a new deal who is there for the long term so that's not exactly the best preparation however on the pitch in terms of results they've just blown the rest of the French okay. league away but that's naturally going to happen yeah. just because it's the French league and you know the other clubs don't have the money that they do So they're,
5: do- they're doing a bit of a Celtic at the moment well, well Celtic ahead,
6: aren't, aren't they? even doing a Celtic oh, this season true, actually, yeah. <laughs> as we speak
5: they could, be, um, they could be pulled in by Aberdeen they who could, could have be level Raph Fachel Chelsea up against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I don't know whether or not I fancy Chelsea or not here because in the Premier League they've been distinctly average but look, they've got this far in the uh, Champions League and it's hard to judge how good PSG are given that the, the French league is so poor but they've slipped up uh, before Chelsea against PSG. Oh
0: yes, yeah. And, and, and uh, you'd, you'd, you'd probably be, if you are a bet man you are probably be going PSG over the two games. Uh, Chelsea were excellent last Saturday and the best, the best they've probably played all season. But can they can they repeat that now tomorrow night, and and you'd be having you'd be having your doubts, especially John Terry went off injured, um, whether he's going to be fit or not is mm-hmm. is going to be very interesting to go and see. But you you'd nearly be fancying PSG to go on, to go through over the two legs. The only thing that might come one of the things that might come against PSG is the fact they don't have much opposition in France, yeah. and if uh, w- w- with the way that Chelsea play and the style of play they just might grind something out and that, and Chelsea are very very good at that Even, even are a, Chelsea more suitable to the index. Champions League at this stage and if so why yeah I think so because they, they've um, they, can, they can they can they can grind something out and they're playing a different type of team they're playing different types of, of, of mentality and, and yeah. uh, teams like to knock the ball around they're not going to hit you too quickly in the break and and they like to take their time in, in, in build up play so it gives uh, Chelsea time to just yeah. go and get themselves reorganised and and that would that, be yeah. one factor
5: it, it's kind of similar to when they won it under Di Matteo struggling in the league that year but had the grit and the determination, grit and determination in the game plan. To, to go on
0: to okay. take care of the teams in Europe
5: Okay, Paddy Mulligan and Raph Diallo. Thanks for joining us you on the rewind podcast. Today, you know? A little bit. Don't, don't worry. Moncrief, don't worry. Much, next week, I know he's your fellow Galway man, but look, mm-hmm. he's booked yeah. the studio fair and square, uh, lads. <laughs> I won't make the same mistake next week with we'll a bit more time, hopefully. But uh, I think it was, you've was it your mistake. It
0: you're in trouble. My first That's one only ever. because the day show one yesterday. You That's know? right. That's why My focus is like all over the place.
5: My focus. But listen, just because you killed Jesse James, don't make you Jesse James. So we're not taking Liam off Kilkenny yet. Listen, Paddy and Raph, thank you very much. Thank you. Rugby now on the rewind here on News Talk, and Ireland's defeat to France wasn't the only. Big news over the weekend Because on Sunday It was confirmed That Robbie Henshaw Is leaving Connacht We suspect And we think That he's going To Leinster But that Has yet to be confirmed In fact this was uh, Leo Cullen The Leinster coach Speaking today
3: uh, Good question um, I was—I feel like I was In this situation Last year um, The exact same time Of the year um, And yeah like we, we haven't been Commenting on All the speculation That goes on Over the last number of months Um and yeah, like it's, it's, it's not fair for us to comment, I think, in the press like this because there's a whole host of players that we're trying to re-sign and that are currently in contract, guys from the outside that we're having discussions with. So yeah, when something becomes concrete.
5: Well, Rob Murphy covers uh, Connacht for Galway Bay FM and is the presenter of the Craggy Island Rugby Podcast. He's very much an authority on all things Connacht. Uh, Rob, what's your reaction to this?
2: Uh, the reaction is in general is I suppose one of disappointment but not a huge amount of surprise I I think the one thing that's maybe missing uh, from some of the storyline is the fact that there was a lot of hope within Connacht Rugby over the last uh, you know month maybe month and a half that maybe the inevitable wasn't inevitable maybe Robbie Henshaw might well uh, decide to stay with Connacht Uh, certainly back in November when the news broke first there was a feeling uh, that this was going to happen and there wasn't much that could be done to stop it but the longer it went on the more you get the feeling that there was a lot more negotiations and discussions going on behind the scenes, and it wasn't as straightforward a deal as was initially expected. And it wasn't as straightforward a decision for Robbie as initially expected, as well. Uh, everyone wishes him well because Robbie's been such a great player within the Conic setup from the very beginning, and he's some, a player that Conic people are so proud of that he's been developed within their system. But people are going to find it very, very hard to uh, accept that he's going to be playing with another province next year. I, I have to say that it probably would be easier for Conic Rugby people to, uh, to take this if he was going abroad because. Uh, it would be just a sense of one of those inevitable things that's happening in rugby right now where the, the money is just much better in France and in England but in this case, in this scenario this is another province and this is a real feeling that that province is kind of asserting its kind of advantage over Connacht that's for sure
5: Is there a feeling that the IRFU have kind of let Connacht down here and um, I guess that feeling doesn't maybe include Robbie Henshaw because you can understand why the player might have had to make this move you can understand his thought process
2: yeah, I look, in a sense, yes. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, it's very hard. There's a lot of anger among Connick fans. That's first of all, that's very clear from social media and from the calls I've been taken and just from the people I've been talking to. There's a lot of anger, but it's going all over the place. So it's, it's very hard to really put your finger on what the general consensus is on, on where, where the blame lies for this scenario where a once in a generation player can stay in the province uh, that he's from and and, and can't drive, bring them on to a new level it, you know can Connick get to a new level without him of course they can Robbie Henshaw's played five games this year in Connick's season and Connick have played 20 so you know Connick have achieved a lot without him on the field as well but that said he's the guy he's the icon he's the guy that you could build around and when this season really kicks up a gear after the Six Nations when everyone's at full strength for a full period of time when the quarterfinals of European rugby comes in that's when you need your Robbie Henshaws and you can't be without them. So. Uh, replacing him will be difficult and even if you do replace him with talent from outside the province you're missing that element of the iconic player who's developed within your province so where the anger lies I don't know some of it will go towards the IRFU is it fair I'm not sure some of it will go towards the player is that fair well he's made his decision Those people will say sure you could have got everything you needed in, in Galway but you know I think in each of these situations in each of those scenarios people are going to have a certain amount of understanding too they're just going to understand that look yeah sure Connacht are matching up well with the other provinces this season but let Let's, let's be honest if you judge a rugby team you judge them over the last five, six years and there are light years ahead of Connacht over the last five or six years there's no question about that but Connacht are a team that are on the up on the rise and people are just wondering where the ceiling is for this uh, growth under Pat Lamb and and the sense of well, can, can, how far can they go and and today and yesterday when the news broke uh, there's a sense that maybe maybe we can start to see the ceiling now and that's a worry because people don't want to start to putting a cap on it and think yeah well Connacht will be good but as, once they develop a player like Robbie Henshaw and Brady has to go and that's always going to be the case because no one wants to think that everyone wants to have that hope when they support their team and they want to have the hope that one day Connacht can do what the extra chiefs are doing in England uh, not a hotbed of professional rugby very much a hotbed of amateur rugby but look what they've done to get in amongst the big, big spenders and look at them in the European Cup quarterfinals and Connacht to say look, budgets aren't everything we can do that as well maybe one day we can be the best Irish province even for just a season uh, but if the best players are going to be uh, going off and if that's an inevitable decision that gets harder to uh, envisage if you like
5: it's a bit of a strange one because there's kind of two strands to the conversation one is about Robbie himself the other is about Mm. Connacht and you've addressed both there Um, what about Robbie himself is it a good move for the player because if he goes to Leinster he's got an awful lot of competition and we're still not sure is he a centre is he a fullback what's his best position
2: yeah, his best position for Connacht of late was a fullback. I felt, uh, if I'm being honest. You know, I mean, you think of the Munster performance and how he burst into the line at key points in that game and defensively how he could burst into the line. You know, he nearly could be like roaming behind the defensive line, just waiting for the guy that he had to hit to make that big turnover. So yeah, Connacht would, you know, I'd say certainly have, have preferred him at a full when they could, but they didn't have enough resources at centre to do that too often. For Leinster, for Ireland, possibly it is the centre role. Maybe the 13 jerseys, a lot of people have been saying when McCluskey. In the inside centre when it comes to Ireland, but yeah, it's difficult. Is it a good move? From I, I, I find it very hard to say it's definitely a good move, but I would also find it very hard to say it's a bad move. I think it's right on the border, and I think that's why it's taken two and a half months, three months for him to make the decision. Let's be honest. So you know, maybe maybe from a conic point of view, we should take that as a real positive because a year ago, two years ago, I don't think it would have taken him two and a half months because the Pat Lam, uh, you know, ethos and and what he's trying to put in uh, mightn't have been as clear to everyone, and certainly mightn't have been as clear to Robbie and his team. But you. Know, you know the simple reality is right now it looks like a fifty-fifty call, and you know, Robbie's kind of probably thinking to himself that you know Leinster can turn this around. Yeah, right now they're they're not in a brilliant position, but let's be honest, they're still pushing well for the top four. They're still probably one of the favourites to win the Pro 12. If they do that, they'll get a better group in the Champions Cup next year, and it could be going as far as quarterfinals or semi-finals again. So there's lots of reason to be positive, and there's a lot of good young players coming through in Leinster as well. So all that fits in. But there's a lot of good young players coming through in Connacht as well. Alton Deland is a, a real star in the making. If people haven't heard too much about him yet, beyond him being selected in the Irish squad, you've got to look out for this guy. He's going to be a superstar. And you know the strength of our front row forwards is being well documented as well. That gives you a great platform in games. We saw that away to the Dragons last week. So you know. Robbie had a tough decision to make I couldn't say it's a bad one that's for sure but you know I, I don't think it was a, a fatal company either
5: Well you're in good company because look Leinster lost Johnny Sexton to Racing Metro a couple of years ago Ian Madigan is going as well so I guess that means that maybe there's not a worry among Connacht fans like there would have been a couple of years ago if you lost one of your best that you know what's the point in us producing these players if we're just going to lose them anyway because okay you're losing Robbie but look at the game last week against the Dragons going to Wales winning with the bonus point and that was done with many guys who came through the system, came through the Connacht system, I mean.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that's just the way it's going to have to be. You know, I, I do feel like it's very hard to compare Robbie leaving Connick with anything else that's ever happened in Connick's rugby because even when Johnny O'Connor left, even then, you know, and he was an iconic figure um, at, at the time, even then it was just it was just along the kind of lines of, oh, maybe it's better for him and he was going to England. So it's just that this one's a little bit different and maybe that's why I'm seeing a lot of that on social media as well. A lot of Connick fans very defiant about it, saying, listen, as far as we're concerned, you know, this is awful disappointing, but at the same time, we've built a really good foundation here and this doesn't have to affect the long-term growth of Connacht. And uh, fair enough, I mean, five players in the Irish squad, I think there's six in the under-20 squad. The academy is constantly getting great praise. But, you know, there's a mindset around there uh, throughout the years that Leinster always makes more sense for the superstar talent. As There was articles today just enf- emphasising that, you know, Henshaw playing alongside some of his colleagues in the Irish team is better, is a better scenario, uh, you know, week in, week out, when he plays with Leinster, when he's teams up with Johnny Sexton and maybe Gary Ringrose and others well that's fine that mindset's fine but if you take that logic further you should put the entire Irish team in one province then and that's when that mindset breaks down Robbie Henshaw you know there's an equally as strong as argument to say he should be leading a team and uh, developing young players around him and that'll help him with Irish as well, Irish rugby as well so I think what what I'd like to see is that mindset change a little bit that kind of you know sense that like why is there even a discussion about this of course he goes to Leinster no I think people need to start waking up to the fact that at West at least and pe- people winning kind of. Drug, we believe that that has to change and Connacht are one of four provinces and they can get there but also we have to acknowledge out West that we're not there yet and maybe that's just the, the timing has kind of gone against us on this one
5: OK Rob well at least at the moment you are enjoying the journey and I think the journey will continue despite the loss of Robbie Henshaw if people haven't been to a Connacht game at the sports ground they really need to get along it's a fantastic atmosphere Rob thanks for joining us looking forward to listening to you uh, broadcasting the, Connacht, uh, the the Connacht games on with BFM and of course the uh, Craggy Island uh, podcast I uh, must listen to Rob thanks for joining us on the uh, Rewind podcast here on News Talk.
2: Thanks Oshin well summed up
5: Ireland have two weeks to recover from their 10-9 Six Nations defeat to France in Paris it was quite the attritional game after the brutal encounter Kean Murtha spoke with back row Tommy O'Donnell but first Keith Wood Give his thoughts to Pat Kenny here on News Talk. I've I've been
4: reading all the articles from from everybody. I watched the game. I watched a lot of it again. Um, even though that's it's not great to watch a second time, it wasn't good the first time. Um, let's get some of the reasons or excuses kind of out of the way at the start. It was deplorable weather conditions. Um, and it, I mean, really deplorable. It just it bucketed down for the whole time. It didn't come across in the television screens because I watched it afterwards, and yeah, it was. Aren't we supposed to be used to that kind of? No, stuff No, we are. No, Arndt. I'm just. I'm just saying it. I'm not. I'm not offering them up for <laughs> for, for for whatever. I you know I thought we played. Um, we 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 just we played conservatively because you'd expect to play conservatively in that weather. Um, albeit we have been playing pretty conservatively, I think for the last for the last year anyway. Um we just we didn't we were in control for 40 minutes 35 minutes of that game we were in total control and we didn't get the scores that we needed to get and that's where it comes down to we issued a kick at goal after about 15 minutes which we shouldn't have done we kicked it into the corner those games any time Ireland win in Paris it's by a point or two. That's and that's true. That's all it ever is. And, and we haven't won there very often. But when we have, and even when we've lost, it's only been by a point or two again, as it was at the weekend. You have to take every chance and every opportunity. We just did not look like scoring a try at all. And for being in total control for a huge amount of the game against a team who was pretty much learning how they were playing Together as a group on the field.
1: You know. Hey, Tommy,
4: have you ever
1: had a more galling defeat? Um, God, I don't know. I'll have to think
7: back now. on <laughs> am of some under fourteen thing where my heart got ripped out. But uh, no, that's that's definitely tough. It's definitely, um, it's definitely one I think we could have won, probably should have won, and um, yeah, it hurts.
1: Uh, I just asked Devin the same thing. You've you've built a lead, you know, for the second game in a row, and you've managed to lose it. Is there something that needs to be tweaked, or how do you go about fixing that? Um... No, I think we just need to be a little bit smarter, a little bit, bit, bit,
7: bit, bit cuter, I suppose, with our possession, and definitely a bit more accurate with, when we, with, with our possession when we have it, and turning turning good field position into scores, and keeping the scoreboard ticking over, and I suppose taking that that little glimmer of hope away from teams. Mm.
1: You were. It was quite early in the game when you came on, but already it was quite clear that that France were targeting players, maybe a little off the ball or whatever. What was the, like? I mean, the serious intensity going into that game. <clears throat> was there anything in particular that you felt you needed to do when you came off the bench? Um, <clears throat> I think with the conditions, you know, the the
7: rock, the rock was huge. So I just came on with the focus that I was going to going to do my best to clear around the rock and definitely to tackle. When, when we didn't have the ball, was going to be huge. Um, other than that, I would think I was just I was going to focus on my that my preparation had gone well and it was just going to play the game. I usually play, I
5: this is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Ireland's Tommy O'Donnell with Off the Ball's Keen Murtha following the defeat in Paris. Now before him you heard from Keith Wood and you'll be able to hear more from Woody this Wednesday night on Off the Ball. In Hurling, Galway and Waterford open their Division 1A campaigns with wins over Cork and Kilkenny. The Desha overcoming the Cats 14 points to 10 at Walsh Park. Very heavy conditions it has to be said at uh, Walsh Park where Waterford hit 18 wides. The tribesmen, meanwhile, beat uh, Cork at Pierce Stadium 127 to 121. What was worse for Cork than the defeat was the hamstring injury to uh, Seamus Hernedy. They think he will miss next Saturday night's game against Waterford, which will be live on Satanta Sports. In Division 1B, Kerry Shockleesh and Portleash, 123 to 214, the final score there. Claire, as expected, hammered off the 221 to 15 points. Uh, before we hear from Cody, Gleason, and Cush, uh, this is Kerry coach Mark Foley. He's working with uh, manager Kieran Kerry. Uh, but first, let's hear from Kerry and um, his colourful, colourful retort to those who wrote his Kerry team off.
1: Well, at the end of the day, we, we, we were, our intention was always to take a match by match anyway, you know, really, and, uh, you know, you know, it was fairly highlighted over the weekend in relation to the, to the papers that the Green and Gold were odds-on favourites to uh, go down from Division uh, 1B, and maybe they, they might scrat- be scratching the back of their poles after today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on that,
5: uh, I suppose you'll have to say as well, the skill level by Kerry today was super- superior to-,
1: to Leash, I'd have to say. Yeah, well, as you know, Mike, and... I haven't met you like at Kerry Games over the last couple of years at club level like... The skill level is there. It's just trying to get the boys up to that, that kind of level of intensity and to try and get them up to the pitch of the game, which is a big, big difference in playing like, like Christy Ring with all due respect. Like and they did a great year last year, but the skill level is there. Once they get used to playing at that pace, they're all able to hurl. Like, I mean, the, there's hurlers in Kerry. I've seen over the last few, few years at club level, like that as good as any club in the country or any county in the country. It's just a matter of getting them up to that level of, of, of speed and pace and believing in themselves a bit more. But, you know, some of the scores we got today were, were top class, you well, know.
5: Mark Foley and Kieran Carey speaking to Radio Carey following their win over Leash in Port Leash. Next up for Leash are Offaly. That's already a massive game given both lost their openers. Now we'll get back to 1A in a moment. But first, on Saturday, Limerick overpowered Wexford. 2.23 to 15 points on a wet night at the Gaelic grounds. After the game, I spoke to Wexford selector Jerk Kush about the situation with Jack Guiney. He wasn't part of the panel for the weekend despite the fact that he was named. At first though... We talk about uh, the importance of next Sunday's match at Innovate Wexford Park
1: against Clare. Yeah, uh, sure. Look, at, uh, I suppose we're not thinking about that. We're trying to think about get a performance against Clare first, you know, and see where that takes. us You know, if very often the result handles itself after that, but we need it. We need a big improvement on our performance next week. Um, other than that, it'll be the same result as tonight. So, like, we're under no illusions. Like, you know, we really have to up our performance. Does it put more pressure on ahead header next week? I don't think so. No. Uh, you're hurting at this level, you know, every day there's pressure. You're going to, to play the best teams in Ireland, especially the first two games we had this year. Two of the top teams in Ireland, uh, you know, it brings its own pressure, but you have to deal with that.
5: Jack out injured tonight.
1: Is he going to come back soon or, or what's the
5: situation? Is he I don't know the what the
1: update on Jack is at the moment there. You know, we'll have to look at that along with a few other lads there that are you know, missing there. Paul Morris is out as well. Another big loss. Connor Mack is a broken thumb. So he'll be probably on for four or five weeks. So I don't know how Mogi's going to be after tonight's game. He got a dead leg. So hopefully that's not too bad. So we'll just see how we are after Monday night and see how it tastes. You know. Is Jack still part of the plans? Because there was a, and I know these rumours fly around the whole time, but there was a rumour that he, he was off the panel again. No, no, Jack's part of the plans at the moment anyway, you know, just uh, with the hamstring problem, you know, we'll see how it dies next week, you know.
5: This is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Wexford selector Jerk Cush speaking to me after their defeat to Limerick. Hopefully for the southeastern side, Jack Guiney will be available soon because they could really do with him. Now Waterford, as we've told you, battled their way to a 14 points to 10 win against All-Ireland champions Kilkenny in a very heavy Walsh Park. 12 of Kilkenny's All-Ireland final teams started that game. Uh, it's the Dacia's first win over the Cats since 2009. After the match, I spoke to Kilkenny manager. But first, Waterford's man of the match, as named by T.
7: G. Cahir, Austin Gleeson. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's it was the League champions against the uh, against the All Ireland champions. Like, and we knew we had a massive um, we had a massive game ahead of us today, and thankfully we won the end. It was a really, really tough game, wasn't it? And I don't mean that in a dirty sense. What I
5: mean is. The conditions were very soft underfoot and there was so many rocks so many balls and the ball bounced it kind of didn't really bounce it just stopped dead it's not ideal for
7: hurling is it no but we kind know of, we knew at this time of the year that, that was what we were that's what we were expecting today and one to 15 how many subs came on I don't think it was three or four one to 1920 whatever it was but um every one of them dug deep uh, took the belts won the balls in the rocks and that's what that's what that's what we kind of try ourselves on is pure hard work, and thankfully we got to win today.
5: Was there nerves ahead of this game because it's kind of a match that Waterford had to win? They were at home, they had to lay down a marker. They're back in Division One A, so there was a lot of pressure,
7: a lot more pressure on Waterford than Kilkenny ahead of today's game. I don't I don't know. It's kind of it was. I suppose Kilkenny are only back a, a month or so training, like um, we're back we're back a, a bit longer than them, like and look we are we, we kind of set a stall today that we were going to work hard and work hard and work hard and, and see where it took us and thankfully today it took us to the win Like, and we're just going to keep trying build on these games and to use the league as a as a template for the championship and try and work and win win as many games as we possibly can
5: Here comes the system question which I know one of our turners love but there was a little bit of an evolution there today I mean a similar system to last year but you did seem to press on more there there was a bit more drive forward and you were kind of leading that you took the ball
7: forward an awful lot I suppose <laughs> Last year was it, it was a lot of um, talk about the system and like we kind of we just believe in the what The lads are saying we have yeah. we have no illusions that, that, that there's a system in place, but it's it's not as the offenses have kind of as people kind of are making it out to be. Like we, it's more so just pure work work. Yeah. And one to fifteen is we had like we have to give a special mention and Annie the backs and two midfielders like Colin and Jamie, of the. First front nine like I'll say four with great work It today was absolutely phenomenal and, and that's why we won the game today there was no click any man coming out loose to the ball. I love that even though you
5: hit eighteen wise and you'd a few yourself, you kept trying. Is that the message from Derek Look even if it's even if it's not happening, keep having a goal?
7: Yeah, I suppose I, I kinda like we had thirty two shots on a goal today and three or four maybe drop short, if not more, like can if you're shooting 35 shots a game in this weather at this time of the year, in that muck and in, in the swirling wind and stuff, you know that's something that we're going to go, that we're going to go places hopefully. And we just, the message from the lads is like, if you have your time, we walked, we walked the ball and we got through, and thankfully, kind of, we got fourteen points, like, but eighteen boys, we kind of have to work on that. It sets you up nicely for the next game, but many of you are involved in Fitzgibbon Cup this week. That'll be,
5: that'll be tough preparation-wise for Waterford next week, and it's tough for you guys as well playing these kind of
7: big games at this time of year? Yeah, I suppose it's kind of last year was I think there was seven or eight of us that actually played six games in two weeks or, or two or three weeks and we're under like we, we know it's going to be tough for us um, I know Colin Dunford and Harney are involved with Carlo then you have myself and Shem At-Nultia with WIT you have Kieran uh, Bennett with LIT you have, uh, Mikey Carney with CIT we have a lot of college holders that are going to be playing this this Tuesday and Wednesday and we know it's going to be tough for us but look, if we get our heads down we work hard God knows where it'll take us
5: I'll ask you an odd question now a goal that you scored in the Munster League against Limerick it hasn't surfaced on YouTube which I'm shocked with it was it was easily the best goal I've ever seen in a pre-season tournament just in case people don't know about it you had the ball uh, in the Gaelic Grounds, about uh, maybe 10-12 metres outside the D it struck a shot right to the roof of the net it was one of the best strikes I've ever seen <laughs> yeah, I suppose
7: Oh, Limerick, came, Limerick, absolutely tore into the Saturday and yeah. it was just pure out of frustration, frustration, and I kind of I started inside, and I got really I got eye like so I kind of came out looking for a ball, and I said, Yeah, to have just have a go, and it just ended up going into the corner. So I don't know how I done it. It's been honest with you, but I didn't really know what to do after I scored. I just kind of I just kind of stood there for a minute and why did I do that, like, but I yeah. oh, look. It's, it's, it's all about the team anyway. So it's, yeah
5: and just before I let you go you do have that kind of licence to have a go in this team and it's something that you mightn't have done in the first year but now it has evolved that you will have a go
7: yeah absolutely the lads know that like we're willing to try we're literally willing to try Atten as a team like and there's no one going to give out to us it's all we're backing each other up the whole time no matter what happens it's going to be like that and I suppose we have the skillful players like Jamie Barron Colin Dunfer, Shane Bennett Paddy Curn so look we we try our best well
3: done today best of luck during the week Brian a defeat on opening day but um, what did you make of the game Uh, yeah I mean it was was tough going Uh, heavy conditions there's no doubt about that um, tough conditions enough but a better team won the game there's no doubt about that and to be fair Walter had a lot of wides. You know, it could have it could have been more comprehensive on the scoreboard. Really, there's no doubt about that. But look, I mean, it was our first first game. We had no game of any kind in preparation for it. You know, we had no challenge match. We had no wedge Cup match. We had we had nothing at all. And match fitness doesn't just happen straight away. So look at um, lost by four points. Could have lost by more. But. You know, the effort is good. Um, disappointed to lose it, no because we we'd love to win it, but at the same time, um, we realise we're in the real world and we realise we don't just click our fingers and start winning matches. So we just work ahead and obviously the matches are coming, ticking fast now. It's a very next Sunday, so it's to um, be grand to get two points to start off, but we haven't got them, so just keep going.
5: Waterford, were on top for almost the entire game, but does everything you just talked about there kind of negate that from your point of view? Would you look at that and think, OK, I'm not worried because not much work done... First game, no challenge matches, etc.
3: Yeah, I mean they're, they're facts. I mean they're not excuses. You know, I'm not making excuses. But the reason we lost is because they were better than us. I mean that's the end of the day. The reason probably we weren't at the forum we'd like to be at yet are some of those reasons are obviously you have to prepare and get to a level of match fitness, and we haven't we haven't had that. And um, but that's I mean we knew we weren't going to have that, so it's not it's not a major concern like that. Um, we're looking at the two objectives for the league, I suppose. Really, are first of all we'd love to win it. Yeah. And secondly, is to uh, look at look at our panel and try and, and deepen our panel and all the rest of it, and um, we we'll continue to do that. What do you get out of a game like that? I just walked across the pitch. Shocking
5: conditions, very heavy, very muddy. It looked like it. It looked like a cows had been on the field, not
3: hurlers. Yeah, tough conditions, no doubt about that. Very absolutely not conducive to kind of hurling and a long ways away I suppose in championship hurling. But I mean at the end of the day, I mean Waterford are a very very skillful team, you know, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be looking to play in conditions like that either. So they will absolutely revel in, in, in good good hurling pitches as well. So yeah. it's not as if we're going to have an advantage on them from that point of view, you know. Does the league on a general point start a bit too early? Would you like it to start a bit later? Well it's it's it has started a bit earlier this year, I think, yeah. about, about a week or so, whatever it is. To be honest, I, I, I don't... I, I give up thinking about those things, yeah. to be fair, you know, because it starts when it, it starts, starts, when it starts it, yeah. and we just try and get ready for it and get on with it, you know? Yeah. And just before I let you go, um, Tipperary next week, last year you survived with the relegation playoff. It
5: seems to be some years... I'm not going to say you make a, a, a push in the league. What I mean is that some years the league goes well for you, you get to the final, you win it. And other years you seem to be OK with that not happening. What kind of year is it?
3: Is it this year? Is it a real aim, the league, for you? Yeah, no, we, we, I mean, we'd love to win it, absolutely, we'd love to win it, we'd love to, I mean, the matches you get right through it and the the knockout stage at the end are seriously competitive matches, but I mean, as well as that, it's, it's the Alliance or the league, and you know, it's the second biggest competition we play for, and of course we'd love to win it, um, uh, seriously competitive, you know, every team in it, that was, yeah. it's, you're talking about a team who could win the other, and almost, you know, so... That's as it is. Um, we never consciously decide not to try and yeah. do that. We consciously decide that we will try it, but hugely conscious of the fact, too, that we want to um, you know, investigate the strength of our panel. There's no doubt about that.
5: Are there years where you kind of need to do well in the, in the
3: league, and is this one of those years? Not massively, no. No, I don't see it as a, as, 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 as a absolute prerequisite that we do well in the league. I'd, I'd see it as something that we'd love to do. But regardless, I mean, like last year, I said, we, we came out of a... A match that could have put us, you know, put us in relegation and we won that game by a point. Had we lost that game by a point, it wouldn't have um, impacted, I think, on our preparation for championship League
5: Brian Cody and Austin Gleeson. That's it for the Rewind on News Talk this week. We're back next week with a review of the second weekend of Division 1A in the Alliance National Hurling League. There'll also be FA Cup football, Champions League football and rugby. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Rewind with
4: Usheen Langan.